saying this, this, the year has kicked off. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Tackle Shop Live. Welcome, welcome! A young and pretty was it just a dream? Yes, yes, another show, another tackle shop live on a Thursday at 7 o'clock. We are here. Carlisle is here. Chris Benninger's here. And we got a great show tonight for you. What's up, Jim Saving? PP, what's happening? Yeah, Frank Garvey's here. What's up, Tammy? How you doing? Hope everything's going well with you. Bob Donahue's here. Joseph Cascarino. How are you, buddy? Lauren Gutrell. And oh man, James Hook's here. Mike Hayer. Ray Cruz. How are you, Ray? Grimey fishing. Thanks for stopping in, brother. Tanner, what's up, Tanner? Stallion was back on Saturday. It was good seeing him again. We got him back in the shop working hard, Tanner. So uh, don't worry, we straighten him out. Wow, Kenny Clemmer's here. Mark from Lisa Lake, how you doing? Ed Ranowski. Man, we got a full house. Sam and Sam is here again, and so is Galen Heathcote, as always. Man, we got a great uh, great show to show for you tonight. My name is Mike Acord. This is George Acord, and behind the camera is cameraman Nick. We are Tackle Shop Live, which we do every Thursday night at 7, and we appreciate you guys stopping in so much. Um, we got a couple things we, we got to clean up. Uh and I got to apologize. I, George and I both, we have to apologize. We never drew the St. Croix drawing <laughs> from two weeks, three weeks ago. Well, when we had to. This Saturday will be three weeks. Yeah, so. yeah from the St. Croix Saturday, we, we, uh, everybody was here they, and, and bought St. Croix. We, we um, got to get the rod there so they can see what they're going to win. But, well, well, I mean, we were going to do it. Saturday night after St. Croix Saturday. Yeah. But that turned into <laughs> Miller Light Mania. <laughs> so we were going to do it the next day. So we figured we, no, we figured we'd do it at last week's oh, yeah. live, and the bu- Tackle and the, Shop Live. And the bucket sat over there the whole time, just, we, just sat there. We didn't write it down, so that didn't happen. But tonight? <laughs> Whoops is right. That's right, James. Whoops. So what we did last week was we did, or two weeks now. Yeah. Almost three. Almost three, yep. We did St. Croix Saturday. We're trying to do something a little different every Saturday, just just in the winter months, you know, just to make make Saturdays interesting. So we did St. Croix Saturday. We had specials on St. Croix. We have, I mean, we have a massive St. Croix inventory here. We wanted to, you know, put it to work. So we talked. We talked all, everything you can do with, I mean, from walleye to surf fishing to all kinds of bass tactics. Yeah, but yeah. The deal was if you bought a rod, you got a ticket in the drawing to win this mojo 
the new one, and this seven reel combo. Uh, the half a spool line that's on there is free. <laughs> There's no charge for that. That was actually part of a line winding demonstration I did the other day. So your reel's partially broken in. Oh, that's good backing. Yeah. Um, if you bought a rod and a reel, you got three tickets. And we got a whole bucket full of tickets here because we had a pretty good day of sales. Um, so, you know, to make it fun, we're going to give out a seven uh, GF right-handed bait caster. So we hope you like right-handed because uh, there is no left-handed. If you don't, just hold it upside down. Looks like you're getting a... Uh, I'm going to say 6-6 six, six to 1. I could be wrong. Um, and then uh, brand new uh, Mojo Trigon. 7-1 seven, seven, medium heavy Mojo. So what? Um, $300 combo. Yeah. Okay. Let's give it away. Uh, I, and I think I think we ought to have Nick, Nick draw the, the ticket because he's our resident pro staffer. And uh, for St. Croix. Drum roll, please. Which was awesome. This ought to be good. Let's see if I could get the right one here. Let me stir him up All good. Right, hold thing. on. Oh, wait. Let's do that again. Go ahead. The timing was terrible, Nick. Okay. And the winner is... Stephen Esworthy. Stephen Esworthy is the winner. I know him. He'll be in to pick that up. I'll bet you tomorrow. Yes, he will. He's going to go crazy oh, here wait, in a he minute. He just pulled up out front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go, buddy. And uh, he is a uh, St. Croix junkie, by the way. He loves him. So, congratulations, Stephen. You're the winner of the combo. And we appreciate you guys very much for uh, participating in that great contest. And um, this Saturday is another event we're going to do. It's it's uh, Shimano Saturday. Uh, everything Shimano, um, we'll, we're going to, you know, we got some closeouts that, that, that are happening. Yeah, we're going to have some specials. Uh, we're going to have some sale pricing on some, on some models that we're allowed to do that on. Yeah. We're going to have some uh, in-house uh, specials. Yep. Not online, just in-house. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Yeah, another great Saturday. Uh, we, You know, it's just a lot of fun on Saturdays in here. It's busy. It's fun. We're talking fishing. A lot of people coming in, stopping in. So, so we just want to we just wanted to do something, like George said, over the winter here uh, for the next couple of Saturdays and just make it interesting. So there you go. Stop in. As if you guys know the way they go, it's well worth, uh, stopping in for the event. So that is this Absolutely. Saturday. That is this Saturday starting at 8 AM in the morning. And we are here early. And usually we have fishing on, uh, watching some kind of fishing. Uh, is there any tournaments this weekend? I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be streaming something on the, on, on the TV, um, for sure. But, uh, that's going to be cool. Um, also another event that's happening coming up here next weekend, next Saturday is our famous smallmouth Saturday, uh, seminar day. 
Uh, it is all the local people who are smallmouth junkies, hardcore. We have guides. We have um, tournament anglers. We have uh, river fishermen. We have lake fishermen here. We have all kinds of people that all we do for the whole day Saturday is talk smallmouth. And we have our tent set up. We do four or five seminars. That's a, just a great time and, and all informative and all about smallmouth. So for everybody who's been here before, you guys know what it's all about. And it's just grown and grown and grown and got totally crazy. And now we have this great big giant tent out there for it just to, just to handle all the people for the seminars. Um, George is going to be doing the seminar. I'm going to be doing a seminar. And we have a couple other guys. If you look, look at sfttackle.com, you'll see the full schedule of, of who – is going to be here. Dave Schiller is going to be here doing one, and so is Corbin Gottwald. So, yeah, um, great information, great time, all smallmouth. Call them what you want. Bronze back, you can call them anything you want, man. They're small jaws. This is what we're talking about all day on Saturday, so it's going to be a really great time. Make sure you stop in for that one. And we'll have a sale. And we are going to have a, a sale, as always, with all those events. We have a great sale. So... That's coming up uh, next Saturday, February the 17th. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so, George, every time we do this show, we always start out with our favorite segment. And this is not going to be any different. And this segment is called Tackle Talk. Yeah, baby. You know, the tempo has picked up. I'm talking about up. Yeah. People are fishing. Yeah. Tournament season's in full progress. Yep. Um, I think we're less than two weeks away from the elites kicking off. I mean, it's on. Switch is on. Uh, what does it say? Uh, number one, engage. Yes. <laughs> yes. And with that... Uh, you know, the tournament talk goes to a, I mean, the tackle talk goes to another level. You know, we're getting, we're getting crazy shipments in all the time. Yeah. And we got some beauties in, uh, in the last week or two. And we're going to pick a few of those items. Uh, and a couple things that have been here that we just haven't had time to work into the conversation. And uh, it's going down right now. Yeah. We got a little something for everything, as we like to say. A little something for everybody. You <laughs> little know what I'm saying? A little something, something. We got a little something for everybody. Uh, so, last year, um, I think it was last year. It might have been the year before that, but I think it was last year. The new owners of Yamamoto brought out 100-count bags of Yamamoto and 50-count bags of Yamamoto Senko. So they did a hundred count five inch Sanko. Awesome. Fifty count five inch Sanko. Um which hadn't been done forever and ever and ever. Back in the day when Gary Yamamoto owned the company, they did a hundred count. It was random. Uh yeah. If you were lucky, you got some. These are these are once and done. You know, it's once a year. They run them once a year. 
Um, yeah, you, you, know, get, you get to you get one shot at buying them. You load the store up on them. when they're gone. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah, I mean, you know, we get, you know, we get a we get a pre order type deal where we put our we put our best order in, um, kind of plan out what we need, and uh, we get them, and then that's it. So right now, uh, we got something new from that. And it's the four-inch Senko. You know, obviously, when they brought out the five-inch Senko, everybody said, where's the four-inch Senko, naturally. Um, so now they're doing the four-inch Senko in a 100-count bag, and they're doing it with what's called a Senko sack. Let me show you. So the Senko sack is a... Tackle storage bag. Zipper top. Um, Ziploc. That's awfully nice to have one. You Reminds know, you just... a lot of a product that rhymes with honey bag. <laughs> Why don't you just say it? Huh? <laughs> you can just say it. I have respect for um, Bass Mafia's money bag. I mean, honey bag. <laughs> okay. Hunter count. Look at that big old bag of Sankas. If you're sick and tired of running out of, this is my go-to, the green pumpkin. I know it's a secret color. You probably don't use it much, but I do. Uh, but if you're tired of running out of Sankos, you know, the spring bite, the Sanko bite. I mean, come on. Um, you know, and you, and, you, and you get on a good Sanko day, and you're, you're running out. Okay, you are running out. I can't even tell you, like, every time I would go to Lake Champlain for a tournament, I would run out of Sankos, and I would have to have the guys down here next day air me Sankos, you know, which would cost, like, an arm and a leg in shipping. Now I get the hunter count. Yeah, they don't do them in all the colors, but they do them in the ones, the, their popular colors. Yeah, I mean, there's probably... Six, eight colors. I mean, there's definitely green pumpkin. Yeah. Black and blue. Black with blue flake. Yep. Color number 021. Yeah, 021. Um, watermelon. Seed. Color number 194. Not to be confused with 194J, which is fading watermelon. Or 042 or 042J. Not to be confused. Yeah. 194. 194. What about 208? 208 is definitely all done up. Watermelon, red flake. I mean, if you ain't rocking 208, you're not a true psycho fisherman. What about uh, purple with uh, green emerald? 213. 213. Or as we like to call it here in America, June bug. <laughs> you know, I was waiting for you guys to start this numbering process. <laughs> so George and I are, before the show, we're talking about crankbaits. And George talks about a particular Strike King crankbait, and he's like, Color number, blah blah blah. I'm like, what the heck? Six twenty-two. <laughs> the um, we also call that the Bill Barlow. Well, we used to two thirteen. He's retired now. Once yeah. you're retired, you don't get to take your number with you always. Ah, uh, so it's yeah. free, it's up for grabs again. It's not in the rafters. I can tell you that uh, much. Well, but anyways, there's a bunch of now. Here's the deal. There's sixty nine ninety nine. Uh, unless you happen to catch us at a sale day. Uh, oh wait. Next week's a sale day. Yeah. <laughs> then there'll be less than that. Uh, but you get the bag. And if you look at a uh, another brand's bag, 
you know, they're they're like fifteen, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, seventeen dollars, depending on the brand. And this is the heavy duty Ziploc zipper. Every hundred count comes with one. Now you will notice on the five inch, there's a couple different price points. The five inch is doing a rollover. So when the five inch originally came out, they offered it without the money bag. I mean the uh, Sanko sack. Um, and you know we didn't have it with the bag, so it was sixty four ninety nine. You'll notice, mm-hmm. and you'll also notice five inch and sixty nine ninety nine. That's kind of the ch- turnover because they're, you know, those original ones sold out, and now the new ones came in with the bag. So the pricing is gonna as they roll over, it will change. So if it's if it's a five inch. For $64.99, you're not getting the bag. But everything else you get the bag for. And I only got one color in, but America's favorite <clears throat> bladed jig trailer, also made by Yamamoto, is coming out in 50-count bags. So I don't know when they're all going to be here. There's only one color in now, so we're not really messing with it. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be getting them out and setting them up here they're in, they're in, shortly. They're in the bag, too. Yeah, they come yeah. in a Sanko sack. But yeah. they're, they're, they only, they did like six best colors, but only one of them's here. Yeah. So we'll talk about that another time. Yep. But that's, that's on the future, on the, on the horizon. Something for you to look forward to. <laughs> All right. 100 counts, four inch Sanko with the Sanko sack. What's, uh, What's the color number of your favorite color there? Two ninety seven all day, bro. I, I also like the boss's bait. The boss's bait. Yeah. You know what that is? Uh, let's see, three hundred one. Mm. No. <clears throat> no, the boss's bait is. Um... I mean, it's not really called the boss's bait. It's what I call it. Oh. Because <laughs> when it first came out, the only person that they made that color for was Gary Yamamoto. Yeah. Color nine twelve. Oh yeah. Green pumpkin. Nine twelve. Oh, that's laminated that's, to watermelon. That's Mike's bait. So it's a two ninety seven laminated to a one ninety four. Come on. <laughs> um <laughs> and you know that you can get that in your hundred count bag too. The boss's bait. Or as they like to call it, green pumpkin watermelon laminate. That's ah, a great color, man. Oh, it's killer. Jeez, it's huh? freaking killer. I, I just I just catch so many fish. It's mandatory. Absolutely absolutely. Right? Oh, for sure. Okay. All right, so next up, I want to give you a uh, PSA. Back at Bass Fest, we introduced Heritage colors, new Heritage colors. I think that's what they're calling them in Mega Bass. And we had Greg on the show, and we showed the GP Chartreuse back. Okay, so you got clear sides with a little bit of shine, pearlescent belly, bright chartreuse back. And, you know, Greg talked about how he was kind of really down with that color. And next thing I know, we were not prepared. And we sold the hell out. Yeah. We are back in stock of all the Heritage colors. There were several of them, and they sold. Of course, at the Bass Fest, they're going to sell out, but they're back in stock. They're awesome colors. Check them out. 
Just wanted to give you that PSA there because I had a lot of people who wanted this one. Nah, that's a smallmouth killer right out there. Out of all man. the other ones. And I did say that uh, we'd be getting those back in stock. Yep. And uh, we did. So that's that. Now, something else that's back in stock that's been out of stock for, I don't know, a year to a year and a half. And, you know, it being the middle of the winter, one of my favorite topics is topwater fishing. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, I, absolutely. <laughs> Did I not have a topwater tied on today? Yeah, there was one in the boat. I didn't tied, throw it. Tied, yeah, I no, didn't throw no. it. I should have. I th- but I didn't. The way that the hatch was coming off, we definitely should have thrown it. That would have been awesome to catch a topwater <laughs> fish in 39-degree water. Yeah. Uh, so I got back in stock after forever and a day. Uh, SBs, shower blows from Evergreen, SB105, SB125, Walking Bait Supremes. If you know, you know. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you should know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're three hook, lethal weapons. They walk remarkably well. They cast a country mile, and they catch fish like nobody's business. They are a legit bait. Back in stock, all the colors in large quantities. Nice to see that, man. So we'll probably Finally. Uh, we'll be having them for a little while. <laughs> And then, Lord only knows. And then the OB, the one bug, the OB66, the one bug popper, back in stock. Literally, if you went back in that evergreen department, there's probably about, I don't know, 200 different baits back there. Mm -hmm. There was probably 75% out empty pegs hanging there. Oh, it's sad. You know, now it's looking a lot better, and the and the stuff that people want is back in stock. There's yeah. also, in the evergreen world, for all you uh, evergreen people, I know you want to know about the gizmo. Don't even say it. Gizmos. Don't even say they're on the way. Gizmos are coming in two waves. There's three new colors um, that will be here probably in March. And then all the rest of them will be here in May to the end of May. So hang in there, gizmo people. But we'll have a big shot of them when they get here, and we'll make a big deal out of it because that's what we like to do. Yeah. Well, you know, that's going to be one of those deals where they're going to be here, and if you don't get them, then you don't get them. We're going to go over that. Yeah. Um, Okay. Moving right along. Next we're gonna, up. We're going to stay with some hard baits here. We're going to talk about a pretty significant uh, drop of mega bass to the shop this week. Now, some of it's already gone, and I apologize for that. But, you know, we're, we're you know, we get what we get. Okay. We, we, we try to get as much as we can, and uh, I'm, hope, hope, I'm, I'm thinking we probably approach that number, but whatever. So the baby kingos are gone. Apologize for that. They didn't last 24 hours. Um, but the baby trouts are in. Mm. And baby trout is kind of like an old school color come back again. 
It's an amazing clear water color. It's got a little dark orange on the belly. As you can see there in tilto vision. <laughs> and it's just a great, you know, trout pattern, clear water killer. Um, got it in 110 Junior. 110, 110 plus one. Um, and you can order those on line as well um then we have the respect series color for this month and we'll take this out of the package here to show it to you it's it's called il redhead um and you know you gotta look hard to make that red you know um <laughs> you really gotta look hard <laughs> you know like like Friend, friend, you know, good friends of the, of yours will have like a baby, and you know, it's just the ugliest damn thing you ever did see. But you got to go over and, you know, you got to see the baby, right? Well, somebody's mama likes this son bitch right here. <laughs> oh god! Okay. Oh my actually, god! Actually, actually, I joke, but this is uh, basically. A fish catching color. I mean, you got a French pearl body, <laughs> right? You got a French girl, pearl body with a uh, red head that looks like it's been sitting out in the sun on a Costa Rican beach for about three months. <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like. It's a faded, almost metallic, almost burgundy. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, this bad boy will catch fish. I know a lot of you buy them for your collection. And somewhere out there in the world right now, there's somebody's on the website ordering these up and calling, and they think it's the sexiest-looking thing they've ever seen. And I'll tell yeah. you, the la- a couple, I don't know, I'm going to say, like, how many months ago? I don't know, six months ago? Seven, I don't know. They did a red, the respect color that month was red and white. And it was red and white. It looked mm-hmm. like your dad's and your granddad's topwater bait that they threw for stripers. Yeah. This is actually, if you look at that, that's a French pearl body, okay? That's a that's a that's a bait fish body with a you know, with a crazy like metallic y bronzy bronzy coppery coppery head. Shape paint shift and head. It's kind of like that baby. You know, the more you look at that little sucker, the the, the prettier he gets. The cuter, right? cuter. But at first, you're like, mm. yeah. <laughs> you gotta keep a straight face. <laughs> we, know, I, we, we've all seen them. One of them ones with the big eyes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we got that in. <laughs> a bunch of colors in the respect series. We got one ten. We got one ten junior. We got pop X and pop max. Right? And of course, one of my favorites of all time, the giant dog X. Tremendous bait. So that's all your respect series for this month. Um, we'll do some more next week. This, this month's drop was pretty big. We we we. It's too much to do in one night. 
There's square bill colors. There's there's other Pop X colors. There's other Pop Max colors. There's a lot. It was a big order that came in. Um, so if you can get by to put your hands on them, yeah. if not, you can check them out on our website. Not all of them are up. We usually don't do the respect series because they tend to sell out. And then it's once and done. So we don't really... Yeah, if you want to... We don't really spend our, too much time working on that. Because we got other products you guys want us to put up. Yeah. So that... That's my mega bass for you guys this week. What, what do you think about that color, Nick? I know you've seen ugly babies already. Oh, I like the way you put that. <laughs> but it grows on you. Mm-hmm. And then you can't help but love it. I mean, in all yeah. honesty... Is that not a, a bait fish pearly body? I, I like it. I the only, the only thing I would question is I don't see the red, but I like that color. Yeah, well, you know, Mega Bass has different finishes. So the first two letters, I-L, refers to a finish. That's, you know, they have, you know, they have HT, they have GP, they have, and you should, you should study those, those up because if you're shopping for Mega Bass, that'll give you a clue as to what the base of the bait is. IL, GP, HT, so on and so forth. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. The, the, the paint work is, you know, it's, it's legit artistic stuff. Yeah. And the colors explain it to you. Um, so that baby trout, um, of course, the Respect Series color, which, you know, a lot of you Mega Bass guys love that. And, Yeah. So, I got a couple more baits. I got a couple more pieces of tackle. Yeah. I hope everybody's having as much fun as I am. Oh, we're, we're, we're because having... Because... I think everybody's having a ball. I ain't had this much fun since the hogs ate my baby brother. Oh, uh, there's some great chat going on on, on, the, uh, on, on the chat board. So, uh, you guys just, uh, are, are doing... Are killing it on there. And if everybody would, well, I would just take a minute here. If everybody would, just uh, like and share... Um, you know, the YouTube and Facebook, that would really help us out, um, you know, to keep this thing rolling well. And uh, you guys did do a great job at that. So just like and share if you would while you're at it and keep the chat going on. And, and uh, George, let's keep on rolling with this tackle. Let's roll it, baby. Let's roll it. Yeah, what do you got, Nick? Well, George gets, you know, you can tell tournament season started up. Yeah, he's got a he's got a different giddy up. In I got step. my game face on, bro. He's ready. He's got a twinkle in his I, eye. I doesn't slid he? the boat off the trailer early this morning. <laughs> I fished all day, loaded her up, and beat feet down here for the show. Okay? Oh yeah. So it's game on. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, and that process will repeat on a weekly basis until um next Bass Fest. <laughs> so. We're, it's on. It's on. Off season's off. <laughs> that month is over. Um, so, you know, I know you know it, and I know you know it, but I don't know if you all know it. Dirty Jigs is is being is all being manufactured and and actually owned by Nichols now. Okay, mm-hmm. back in the in the last few years of. Dirty Jigs' original ownership, a lot of the manufacturing was being done by Nichols. And and you might ask yourself, why? Well, Dirty Jigs grew very fast, and they're very high quality. Yeah. And not just everybody can do that. No no offense to the tackle industry, 
there's there's probably a half a dozen to a dozen houses out there that can do this kind of work. And they're guess what? They're all buried alive. Yeah. The the US houses that are doing this kind of work, they're all buried. Like you put a project in with them, your lead times are huge. So in case you're wondering why like your favorite brand of jig isn't getting back in stock um, from one of your small uh, boutique builders. It's because he's outsourcing it to one of these quality U.S. shops. And guess what? They're running three shifts, and they can't keep up. So Dirty Jigs just finally, you know, said, you know what? I had enough, man. This is stressful and COVID and busy, and I'm, you know... I'm not getting yeah. any younger, and the guys down at Nichols are the top of the line, and they said, okay, well, we'll just buy it from you. And now they're cranking out projects. You know, they work with tactical bassing guys, and this is their tactical bassing mini underspin. That's about a 1-0 hook on there, black nickel hook. Look at that. First thing I want you to look at is that blade blade arm. Look at that blade parallel to that body. You can put a decent-sized fat little bait on there and not, not have too much interference. And that is a guppy head. If you haven't fished a dirty jig guppy head yet for your little swim baits, you need to. So take a guppy head... Look at this bait on here. Look at this. Literally. Look at that keeper. That's a well-defined barb with a nice extended collar. I mean, that bait is on there. Okay? That's a little reaction innovation shiver shot. Bad to the bone. (laughs) Look at that. Ball bearing swivel. 649. We sell them. It's insane how many of these things we sell. And it's because we're coming into blade under underspin season. It's one of your best cold water techniques on your suspended fish or like a situation Mike and I incurred today with a little bit of a kind of off bite but a slow roll approach. Just saying, you might want to check some of these bad boys out. We carry it. We go over underspins all the time, and we carry a ton of underspins. Um, it's just nice that size. Yeah that 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 has that that's a compact one zero hook, and it's well thought out. Without you know, you don't think about it, but that little that little extension down off the bottom, you know, you can put uh, money. You could put your fatter swim baits on there, and the blade doesn't you know get ham- uh, tangled uh, hit, up, tangled up, and hindered by it. So it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So check that out. Uh, that's the Dirty Jigs Tactical Bass Mini Underspin, six forty nine. Yeah. Uh, I got two more baits for you guys. Actually, at one bait and one piece of rigging. Um, and this this piece of rigging is not like brand new. It's pretty new, but you know somehow it slipped past me. Okay, mm. for a little bit, mm. I caught up on it. But and this is the wrong size head for this bait. I would use a heavier one. But this is the six cents treble head. 
Let's look at it. Let's look at it here. Cameraman next going to get us a nice focus on there. Okay. And now we'll look at it here. Let's take the hook out. Line through. Okay. We got a line through. Screw in. Put your favorite treble on there. Come back to wherever you want your hook to be. Drag it on the bottom. Swim it through the middle of the water column. I'm already working on a, a modification on a straight shanked worm hook that I'm going to put in this thing so I can drag it on the bottom and swim it through grass real clean. But look at that. Line through. Freaking beautiful, man. Yeah. So there, it's a six-inch treble head, uh, multiple sizes, multiple colors, starting at five ninety nine for a pack of three. It's freaking sweet, man. What's wrong with that? It's sweet. Uh, and then I'm going to end up tonight with another six-cents item. You know, um, you guys have been traveling along with us for about two years now on our swim bait journey. And we came across another one that we like. And it's the six and a half inch draw from, from uh, Six Cents. So, originally came out in a nine inch bait. This is a six and a half. I'm using my hand for reference on sizing. So, it's a nice bite sized morsel. Um, I don't know how much it weighs, but I'm going to say it's about an ounce to an ounce and a half. Um, great, slow, great paint jobs on this. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Look at that back. Just an awesome, awesome paint job. That I like the tail, the way the tail's shadowed. Man, that, that really makes it look, look alive in the water. So, you know, it's your typical glide bait. It has a pretty wide glide on the slow speed. Gets down about four feet. It's a slow sink slash suspend type bait. You can fish it in about four feet. You can fish it shallower than that if you want. But, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to retrieve it. If you let it slow and you retrieve, it's going to retrieve about three, four feet, um, which is perfect for most cases. Um, you can speed it up and get a tighter glide, you know, pattern. Um, you can pop it. Pretty nice bait. It's a pretty nice bait, okay? And we're liking it. Um, $49.99. So, I mean, yeah. it's not, like, hateful. Um, but, yeah. Uh, John, we haven't fished that glide yet in the river, but we throw a lot of glides that size in the river, absolutely. Um, and bigger. And, and, and bigger. But I'll tell you, you know, you, you know, you be you, – absolutely would shock yourself what what eats at um it's 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 amazing now you know you're not going to do it all the time but there's there's certain times of year where it really really works well um which we're finding to be longer and longer you know not just the spring and the fall it's it's you know moving moving into the summer but man i tell you those things catch smallies and those smallies well, love them yeah you're literally like for example in our locale where we live um, you know, the weather, the weather, the weather for the rest of this week, you'll catch glide bait fish on Saturday 
around here. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, not too far south of us, they've been catching them. Yep. Um, ever since that nasty cold snap kind of kind of been getting out of here, um, I think you could have caught one on it today, this afternoon. We were cranking. We were catching. We were fishing 39 to 40-degree water, and our best bite today was a crankbait. So, you know, it's not something that 10 years ago we probably would have even thrown just because of the mindset. But with all the odd fish behaviors we've been learning since we started messing with forward-facing sonar and since we started allowing ourselves to, you know, think outside of the box we built for ourselves, yeah, the crank they, the crankbait was my best bite by far today. Yeah. Um, and a lot of places you say, oh, 39 degree of water, you're not going to catch them on a crankbait. Well, no, you are. And guess what? Your swim bait has uh, a lot bigger boundaries than you might think. So, yeah, don't limit yourself. Do not limit yourself. Yep. Um, yeah, so that is going to be. How much is that thing? You have it written down? I do. I said $49.99. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I wanted to show you, and we already went over this, but I just want to show you how cool this is, is the little tush head. The little core tackle tush head with the little 2-0 hook. Okay? This is a bad-to-the-bone way to rig a little boot foot swim bait. Check this out. We got the little mare. 3.75-inch. Crush City Mare. You can do, you know, whatever little swim bait you like. Not something skinny, obviously, because this thing's got some bulk to it. Just kind of line it up. Kind of kind of picture it in the bait. Kind of get an idea where the hook wants to come out. Take your time. Keep it straight. Takes, takes a little bit to get it in, but once it's in there, man, it's Take in there. Take your time. Get it where you want it. Get it nice and straight. Now you have a 316th ounce 2-0 hook in a little swim bait, all the weight balancing the bait, preventing that nose down. It's for slow rolling, swimming, dragging. A whole nother concept, and it works great. And we've done this. We've done this tush already. It goes always up to seven aught three quarter ounce, mm-hmm. and that is pretty. And you get a ton of fish out of one bait. So, I, the, but they don't do too many little ones, but they do now. And I had a pack of those laying over there, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna rig one of them up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, boys. That's uh. In case you guys have got any questions for me, that is going to be that. Right on. Yeah, I have a question for you, George. For those that never fished an underspin before, you were talking about for suspending bass. How, how are they using that? Two ways. So, the, 
the for suspending fish, one of the most popular ways to fish it pre-forward facing sonar is what we call tight lining. Uh, or pendulum. So cast out, you know, pop it, start the blade spinning, hold your rod, let it swing towards you and drop at the same time. It's a it's a tight line technique, it's a pendulum technique. Um very effective. You know, back back in the world before we had forward facing. And you know what? In some certain situations, forward facing doesn't work. Like dirty water, what whatever, but or you don't have it. Um, so that technique always always tried and true. The other way the other way to fish it is suspended fish is with forward facing. And you know, it's very simple. It's cast it out, keep it above the fish. You can retrieve it, let it fall, retrieve it, let it fall. Um, one of the ways we fish them a lot in shallower water is particularly uh, when we smallmouth fish in our river in the spring is we just slow roll a swim bait on them. So instead of putting a swim bait on a ball head, we put a swim bait on an underspin, and it just gives it that little bit of a kick, that little bit of a flash, that little bit of a something extra. On some days, it's killer. Also, a dynamite, dynamite bait in that nasty September time frame. You know, that not quite summer, not quite fall, and then into your early fall, all through the winter, into your spring. I'll be honest with you, once I get past the spawn, I don't really fish them that much. I'm sure other people do, but I... In my style of fishing, I'm, I'm a shallow water guy. I don't fish them a lot, like, let's just say from, you know, mid-June, late June through September. I love them in September when, when everything gets a little wonky. Yeah. Underspin. Um, you can, there's bigger ones, too, um. You know, and you can put a big swim bait on the bigger, you know, the bigger, bigger blade, bigger size. You know, you can put a five inch, four point eight, three point eight. But most in in my world, most of my work on that is a smaller bait. That's why I was so excited when the uh, Gamagatsu came out with the uh, the one knot hook. You know, which is a phenomenal underspin. Now this this thing's just spectacular. So, yeah. Uh, question from Bob Donahue, what would be the rod reel line setup? Um, on a small underspin like that, Bob, it's for me, it's spinning tackle. Now, if you are a, uh, a BFS or a quasi BFS kind of guy, uh, or if you like, just like a medium light, light powered bait caster, that would be fine also. I think it's very important that your line stays light. And for me, it's eight pound. Eight yeah, pound fluorocarbon on, on that smaller one for sure. Um, <clears throat> spinning rod, you know, typical, you know, seven foot ish, medium ish, you know, 
typical standard type taper. Not too crazy on whether it's extra fast or fast. It's not, you know, you'll get your feel for it. You'll develop your feel for it on the rod and reel that you're using. But think finesse. Yeah. Think finesse. Yeah. We're not we're not talking power here. We're talking finesse. And, you know, it's deadly finesse. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, there you have it. There's some uh, awesome tackle talk for you. We love talking tackle <coughs> because we are a tackle shop. Uh, yeah. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, we're going to move on here and keep this show rolling because we got a lot to cover yet. And I uh, appreciate everybody hanging with us tonight here on the show. Um, as always, we do totally appreciate that. All right, George, let's do some talk, talk, uh, some tournament talk. Spit it out, Mike. Guess what? Spit this, it this out. This was a big, big week week for uh, for tournament fishing. So let's check that out. All I gotta say is the dirty thirty. Well, all I got to say is that was awesome. Average a dirty 30. Yeah, that was awesome. That was I just I mean you think about it. And yeah. we have a ton of viewers on tonight, okay? Yeah. And I want to put it out to all the viewers right now. If you have caught a 5 fish 30 pound string, please let it be seen on the chat. <laughs> because I don't expect this to be a big list because it's rare. Very rare. It's rare. I'm the best bass fisherman that I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never done it. I'm just saying. Okay. That was funny. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, but, yeah, throw it out there. <clears throat> the Dirty 30, five bass string for 30 pounds. Now, man. my man Scott Martin... He, he broke he all kinds. He did it twice. He, day one, 33-7. Let me get my last week's notes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right yeah. here. Hold on. Stand by. Calm down. Uh, 33-2. He day one, 33-2. And then he day three'd 32-something? 31-something? Yeah, 31 and change, yeah. He averaged 90, well, he weighed in 90.6. That's a 30-pound average. Yeah. On day three, he had two nine-pluses in an hour. Unbelievable. One of them on a spinning rod. Unbelievable. On a wacky rigged uh, psycho-like worm. Yeah. So, very impressive. Yeah. Scott Martin, yeah, just kick, kicking just, off, just dominated. Really, really a great story. That whole story was was awesome. How how uh, you know he wanted to win at home, wanted to win win in the in the same parking lot that his father did. And um, dude, did I tell you the story about his dad? Yeah, you told me, but I don't think everybody. His dad was on a guide trip on the final day of the tournament. <laughs> And he's watching it on live, and he's like, we got to go. He tells his clients, we got to get to the weigh-in. So he brings them with him. Yeah. 
How would you love to be on a guide trip with the legend, Roland Martin? He, you know, he's, he's probably like, son, son, we got to go, son. <laughs> oh, Scott, he's about to win this thing, son. We got to go. Right on. Now, I will say this. Um, to me, that would be, if that was included in my fare of a guide trip. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 you think I'm wearing that story out? Oh, man. That'd be great. Um, also would like to point out that uh, long-time local, former local SFT in the shop, Sean Neifert, who has moved to Florida, <clears throat> exhibiting tremendous amounts of common sense. <laughs> um, he, he, he had Lunker on co-angler side yeah. in that tournament. I know. I saw that. That was awesome. And, uh, you know. Sean's on here tonight. Oh, yeah, there he is. Yeah. Sean Neifert had Lunker on co-angler side. I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but I didn't write it down, but I want to say it was like 8-1. Eight, 8-1. Eight, one. Eight, one. I believe it was 8-1. Eight, 8-1 one. Eight, one or 8-4. Yeah, I want to say 8-1. Freaking toad. It was a tank. Um, Yeah, so uh, Scott Martin, congratulations. Now, he fishes. On a frog. 8-10. 8-10 on a frog. On a frog. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, baby. That, that, it don't get no more awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he, you know what? Sean is a frog-chucking son of a gun, man. He loves throwing a frog. <laughs> I will bet I'd have to see the, the replay, the tape, re-bet, roll back on that one. But I'll bet both feet cleared the deck by at least six inches on the hook set. <laughs> and you know, you know what's interesting? In those tournaments, there's no net. There's yeah. a lot of big fish caught. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he boat flipped that some gun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, he throws a frog. I think I think they discontinued it now. I forget the name of it. Uh, he called me up for him just the other the other, the other week. But they discontinued it. <laughs> so, so, I'm sure he was throwing that frog. He's on the hunt. He was. He was on the hunt. Yeah, so uh, that's, that's, uh, that's open number one. Open number two, I believe, is next week. On Lake Wachita in Arkansas, Major League Fishing Tackle Warehouse Invitational. <laughs> Not sure if it's Way Five or All You Can Catch. Starts tomorrow on Rayburn, and I'm looking for some firecrackers to go off in that one. Uh, can't wait to start following that first thing tomorrow morning. I don't know what their live status is. I'm judging by. The way the live was on the Bass Pro Tour, the, there's no live. Uh, but they will have Score Tracker. Yeah. And they may have JT Kenny on there. I'm not sure. It, it, I mean, he's, <laughs> yeah. he might not be sure either. They might change that by tomorrow. But yeah. at any rate, that's a great crop of fishermen they got going out tomorrow. Can't wait to see what they do. Uh, getting back to that Bassmaster Open, you know, Scott Martin went pretty vocal when he left Bass Pro Tour to come to Bass via the Opens, pretty much put it out there that he was doing this to get that classic win that his dad, the great Roland, never got. 19, 
wins, nine angler of the years, greatest bass fisherman that ever lived. Um, and he and 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 now he has now he's qualified. Yeah. For next year's classic already, so he can fish with the safety off for the rest of the year now. Yeah. And you know, I'm glad you brought that up because his whole thing is unfinished family business. Yeah. yeah. Like his whole, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be a fun ride to watch him fish the Elite Series with one thing that's not on his mind, qualifying for the Classic. You know, you make decisions in tournament fishing. If you're fishing a one-day tournament with your buddies, that's one thing. But if you're fishing a, a series like the Opens or the Elites or the Bass Pro Tour or the the Major League Fishing Invitational Series, you know, you have to make business decisions throughout the course of the season that may not be your best, what you would do. You know, you may say, well, I'm going to go out and throw a 10XD all day and, and get six bites. But then again, you might not. Whereas you might be in a position where you need to cash a check or you need to establish some points. And maybe the safe bet is to go throw a NACO rig and catch 30 fish and weed down to a 13-pound limit. Those are, those are long-term. That's, that's the game. That's like shooting pool. You're looking two moves ahead. Um, but now he doesn't have to do that. Last year, he had a lot. He came down to the wire. Did he make it? I'm not sure, but if he did, he came down to the wire. So he had a lot of decisions he had to make during the year that maybe not were how he would fish. Yeah. This year, yeah. you got a very talented angler with – we haven't even started the season yet. We haven't dropped the checker, the white flag, to start the season, and he's already in the Classic. So – yeah, so you'll see him go for wins. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, Tucker Smith. <clears throat> Tucker Smith's our guy, right? Yeah. Tucker Smith's our guy. Tucker Smith's second. Good for him. Now, he was 22 pounds, 11 ounces behind Scott Martin. <laughs> I know. It's hard to compete with that. It's yeah. still second. <laughs> you know, he's like, damn, son, you he lap me. Yeah, he got to sit on the seat, though, for the hot seat for, like, yeah. a minute. He forgot to find that eight-pound average school. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, he caught his fish on a scope stick. Mm. It's a nice bait. That jerk bait from Bill Lewis. Very nice bait. And a Kytec. And what I like about him is he went off of the normal Okeechobee playbook. He fished the rim canal. Mm -hmm. He scanned. He found rock formations at the mouths of many of the canals. And I'm envisioning residential canals as well as agricultural canals. Mm -hmm. And I'm envisioning when they cut these canals, they reinforce the points with some underwater riprap is how I'm envisioning. And he worked at with the Kytec on a jig head, pretty much what we always talk about, a boot foot on a jig head. And a scope stick, jerkbait. Yeah. Really cool. And guess what? Second place. Now, last year, if you remember, the first elite tournament was won in the river. Right. 
on a jerkbait. Yep. Tyler, Tyler Rivette. Tyler Rivette. Yeah. Um, that wasn't Okeechobee, but same same concept. Yeah. So, you know, these guys are outside of the box, okay? Which, you know, Mike and I fished today, and it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. It started out, you know, showing some promise. Mike, Mike had a flurry of really nice fish on a jerkbait. You know, pretty much a playbook, 38, 30, I think it was 38-degree water when we started. You know, 38, 39-degree water. You know, jerkbait's going to play. River, the conditions, the clarity was great. The height of the river was falling, which is going to pull your fish out. But that's where the playbook ended. You know, and... You know, sometimes to be a better angler, you have to go outside of the box. And usually the box is a box that you built around yourself. Either because you fish by yourself all the time, you're probably a really good angler, but what don't you know? Or you fish with the same buddy all the time, you're both probably really good anglers, but what don't you know? Or you're really comfortable and you're, tournament style your club or your local tournament style you know you 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 have your spots that you run you know you've got into it, you've got it down well not every day you don't cuz yeah. none of us do no and today was one of them days um i think mike had seven fish in the boat before i caught a fish and you know I was playing follow the leader. I was trying to make work what was working for him. And I said, you know what? I'm going outside the box. And I, in my mind, I thought about a red crankbait because I've had tremendous success in late winter, early spring, all over the country on a red crankbait. I thought, well, it's not really what I would consider good crankbait, 39-degree water. But you know what? Let's get a chick magnet out and find out. Bam, caught, caught my nicest fish right off the get. Mm-hmm. While I was in the box, I dug out another cold water crankbait that I like, the uh, Rapala X-Rap Shad number six crankbait. I've often said on this show, I think it's the best cold water crankbait for very, very cold extreme water ever made. Uh, better than a Shad Rap Balsa. My opinion. Dug that out. Caught probably six or seven on that. So, outside of my box, a little bit, because I've been doing this for a couple years now, but I'm not comfortable with it, is cranking in those temperatures. Uh, I'm a lot more comfortable with it now. Hey, George, with that cranking, um, you know, it's cold water. Uh, Any particular cadence? Straight wine. Faster than I would have thought. Yeah. Actually, my crankbait rod that I picked up had a 7-2 to 1 reel on it, so I had to be mindful of that. These fish were very active. Um, I had a fish chase the crankbait up to the boat. He missed it at the boat, below the boat, on the bottom. He missed it, and as I was bringing it up, he chased it to the surface and boiled on it, and he was as fast as any summertime fish you'll ever see. Lethargic, not. So, you know... What was weird was when he started catching him on crankbait, I, I busted out a shad-colored crankbait, 
like something for that water clarity and that and uh, you know for that particular day. And I threw that thing and threw that thing and threw that thing and never got a never got a bite. He still was catching them here and there on on a on his crankbait. I went in the box, tied on a red crankbait. Boom! First cast, catch catch one. They wanted for some reason they wanted a bright. They wanted a bright crankbait. I think it's getting outside the box. Something oddball like that, you know. We went. We we pulled a Tucker Smith. Yeah, I think that's why. That, I think I think we would have had that chartreuse jerkbait. That would that would have worked. Oh, I'm sure in the in the five boxes of jerkbaits you had in the boat, there was a chartreuse jerkbait. I couldn't find it. I'm sure. Uh, getting back on that Okeechobee Open, I want to talk about Randall Tharp for a minute. Third place. He had a 10-3. Mm. Day one. Um, guess what? Double caught all, digit. Caught all of his fish on a gold shiner jackhammer. And, I, and, and you know, what? I, the reason I wrote that down is for those of you who haven't been exposed to this yet, the golden shiner jackhammer in grass in the spring is a real thing. It is a real thing. So, Randall Tharp proved that. He caught every fish that he weighed in for three days on a half-ounce jackhammer golden shiner. Um, so, that's something to take notes of, right? I'm telling you. That's something to take notes of. Golden shiners. Yeah. Yeah. So the other tournament we had going on last week at the same time was the Bass Pro Tour on Toledo Bend, and that was a straight-up, as we talked last week on the show, they were all scoping. There was a couple guys on the bank. That was a straight-up, forward-facing, late-winner. Beatdown. Textbook tournament. That was Demiki Riggs of every shape, size, and dimension. Uh, Dustin Cannell won it. On day five, just on day five. Now, they, they weigh everything over two pounds counts. Just on day five, he had 112 pounds, four ounces. <laughs> just just on the final day. I mean, right? I mean, this live scope thing is just out of control. Plus, he's really good at it. He is really good at it. Uh, tell, tell, him, tell him what he did over the winter. He fished. You know, he's buddies with... Uh, Jay Wheeler, and um, Wheeler, you know, is the man on forward facing, and and Cannell wasn't no slouch, but he was driven. He was driven. He didn't go deer hunting. He plays golf. He didn't. He didn't, didn't play golf. Didn't do any golfing. He fished three to four days a week, every week, offshore, Demiki rigging on a forward facing sonar unit. For four months, three months. And you know what he said for one of the most important things? The cast. Oh, yeah. Learning the cast. Well, you guys seen that before. Oh, yeah. I suck at it. Oh, yeah. Terrible at it. The hardest thing is casting your bait to the fish. Yeah. You're short. The easiest thing is marking a fish. The hardest thing is casting your bait to that fish. Yeah, and, and for him to catch that many fish, it shows how efficient he is. Because, as you know, if you're off by yeah. a foot, either way, yeah. you're re-reeling in yeah. and throwing out. And then that fish probably moved. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's pretty cool. 
he said in that tournament, um, and you're right because they, they constantly are moving. He said in that tournament, if he didn't get them on the first cast, they come to the boat. You know, a lot of fish will come to your boat. That's that's just what they do. And they would come to the boat, and he said, if they got within 30 feet of the boat, I couldn't catch them. I couldn't catch any of them that were within 30 feet of the boat. So my first cast had to be on the money, mm. or else they came yeah. to the boat, and I couldn't catch them. Um, you know, it's these guys make it look easy. It is not easy. Mm-mm. Your boat is moving. You know, if there's any wind blowing or wave action, it's like a factor of times 10 harder. Your boat's moving. You know, if you're if you're 60 feet out, your beam is like 22 feet wide. It's not easy. Well, it, let's face it. Whether, it's very difficult. Whether you're the knee elites or the Bass Pro Tour or even the Opens now, mm-hmm. they're the best of the best. Yeah. These guys live for this. Oh, yeah. And if you would go fishing with them just for one day, you you would be like, yeah, they're a different level. It's, I'm not ready for this. Oh, yeah, it's totally yeah. different. When it comes to the forward-facing <laughs> yeah. sonar, those guys are ridiculous. They are ridiculous. They're like, yeah, you just cast out to them. Well, yo, bro, not for nothing, but I the last five casts, I did cast out to them. Yeah. I don't know where my freaking bait is, but I cast out there. <laughs> and then they go, no, man, it's just like this. And you see the bait. See? Twitch it, twitch it. There he is. No, it's not like that. That's yeah, hard. Hey, George, a little <laughs> tip for everybody listening. If you get to go with somebody that's really good at it, let them cast first and then just cast where they can. Yeah, right. <laughs> Actually, the first time I went with somebody who was the, the best at it, I didn't even cast. I literally held my fishing rod in my hand for an hour at a time, and just, like, watched. I looked like I was at a tennis match. (laughs) Playing that old Atari game. Well, you just learn so much. You just learn so much. But, you know, a lot of it translates to, um, let's say, not having forward-facing, but being in the same exact situation. A lot of the... The baits and the retrieves and the style of fishing. In other words, Jeff Gustafson won the Classic on a Demiki rig. The year before that, he won an Open on a Demiki rig. Uh, would anybody else like to chime in on who else won anything in the Elite Series on a Demiki rig? Like, it's rare. Mm-hmm. Cooper Gallant, I believe, won an Open on a Demiki rig. They're like basically buddies and neighbors, right? So, my thing is, you know, we've been talking about it now for a long time, weeks on end. And and every segment of this show from now on, we, we, we will some way or another touch on a Demiki rig. You know, whether you have forward-facing or not is irrelevant. You can find those fish on side imaging, just like in the old days. So, here's pre forward facing in case you forgot you scan along and you might be on your trolling motor scanning you might have a 360 you might have side imaging on your trolling motor or you might be idling you mark a school of fish 
You put a waypoint on it. You spin the boat. You go up front. That waypoint's now on your front graph. And you fish that school of fish. We did it forever. Mm-hmm. We did it before we had side imaging. We did it with 2D. We did it with flashers. But the point is, you got to get proficient with it. You got to know what tight lining is. You got to know how to, you know, a lot of these terms, I got news for you, are flashy names in a social media world for what the old man showed me and Mike on Little Lake Toho in 1980. Now, you boys take this finishing nail here and put it in this straight worm and hook it in the middle. Oh, we were Nico rigging in 1980, bro. <laughs> what? Yeah. You know, well, all, it's, it's, it's all it is. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's Fugazi, well, Fugazi. The latest trend. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it, it's, it's reinvented. It's just reinvented. And, and in 20 years from now, it'll be re-reinvented. Yeah. It's just, and we're learning. It's just reinvented. You know, getting, you know, tight lining, whatever you want to call it. I call it the Mickey rigging. You know why? Because they were the guys that got on it first. Well, yeah, I remember Brian Thrift was one of the first ones doing that. I'm going to call it the Mickey rigging. Yeah. So whenever I say the Mickey rigging, it could be moping, mopping. I don't know what else other I don't, it's I could do like a Bubba Gump shrimp company commercial but, with this. But George, you have a great point. I mean, like it or not, you're, we're going to be talking about that every tournament. It's going to play in just about every tournament. It yeah. plays a lot in our fun fishing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially this time of the year. You know, these fish are already thinking. One part of their brain wiring is already thinking spawn. We had 39-degree water today. We caught pre-spawn fish that were looked like they were ready to burst. Huge. Not all of them, but a couple of them. They were huge. Now, we've been catching nothing but real big fat fish because they've been eating on the minnows real well. But these were egg-laden females. So there, there's already a little bit of them that's thinking, you know, feed, feed, feed. You know, falling water, they back they back out. You know, they it's just if you're in a highland reservoir, you know, the depth at which the bait is is the depth at which your fish are. If it's a deep water highland reservoir and the fish and the shad are all wintering at twenty five feet deep, that's where your fish are. You gotta stay above them, you can't go below them, and the, one of the best ways to catch them is on a Demiki rig with either a, what did he use? Uh, Dustin Cannell used a freeloader. Because, well, I mean, him and Wheeler are crush shitty guys, so obviously they're mm-hmm. going to use crush shitty baits. But, I mean, they could have used what what uh, Gussie likes. They could have used a scented jerk shed. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so there you go. You know what, George? A couple things. So the first tournament that you brought up was the Open. And what I thought was interesting about that is the implications it has. Because, yeah, Martin won. Now he's in the Classic. But you look at Tucker Smith, this is huge for him because he's trying to make the elites. Yeah. Tharp is trying to go back to the elites. So this is critical for them guys to try to, you know, get back to where they want to go. Oh, yeah. 
You well, know what? there was a lot of finishes too in the in the thirties from guys. You that 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 that's a good finish. That that keeps you in the points. Oh my god, Chase and and uh, tremendous. Was, yeah, I mean, you can have you can have if you did that the whole way through. You know, twenties and maybe had one good finish in twenties and thirties. You're, you're gonna be right there. You can't win the season on day one, tournament one, but you sure can lose it. Oh yeah, if you if you went two hundred, you're probably you're done. You're done for the done. year. <laughs> yeah, you're done. Go home. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Yeah, you just don't want to get too too far. You know, below that yeah. thirty mark. <laughs> so, yeah, from the sport, from the fan the fan side of things, I love the point you made, cameraman Nick. My my, I had two takeaways from that tournament also. And, you know, I always try to take away, like, stuff that's going to make me a better fisherman. So, Golden Shiner, uh, Jackhammer. Now, I mean, last year in uh, pre-spawn through post-spawn on when I fished grass, Mike and I fished a fair amount of grass last year, spawning flats to just – all different areas of the of giant flats. The Chesapeake Bay, all over the place. Our best chatterbait day in and day out was a golden shiner. And when we were on Gizzard Shad Lakes, our best shallow water grass pattern was a white jackhammer. So, you know, the golden shiner, I'm going to implement that a little more. My other takeaway is, here we are on Lake Okeechobee, arguably one of the greatest grass fisheries, used to be. It's, it's, de- it's damaged now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we all fish the upper Chesapeake Bay. You hear us talk about it all the time. We love it. It's, we, have, you know, we have just fond. It holds a special part in our heart. We fished Potomac River, you know, miles and miles of grass. It holds a special part meaning to us. Um, but here we are, Tucker Smith, second place, ignoring grass on a grass fishery. Yeah, fishing rock. You know, and I've seen, I saw an open one on the bay one year on unfavorable pre-spawn conditions, fishing deep rock, ignoring the grass. The rest of us kind of had some of the grass in our play. And the winner walked away from us. So there's a time and a place to ignore grass on a grass fishery. Tucker Smith did it with a jerk bait and a Kitek on a jig head. So that, that's what I learned from those tournaments. Very interesting. Oh, the second tournament. I have a question for you guys. I, this is a, a brain twister here. So that tournament at Toledo Bend, right? Mm-hmm. There's another tournament coming up there real shortly. Yeah, and, starts tomorrow. And what's interesting is you got guys who are going to be going to these tournaments that are watching this tournament. And they're going, okay, I see what they're doing. Now, knowing what time of year it is, can that hurt you, or can it be pretty consistent in your mind? If you're the angler that's going to be fishing tournaments mm. coming up, yeah. Well, well, you know, it's it's I it's a different type of doc doc talk, but you know, when you're doing your research and you're before you get there and before you, you know the weather's actually did played it played out, you know, 
it kind of uh, keeps you, you know, uh, I mean, everybody who ever uh, goes to a new lake, they, they look at tournament results and they look at, they read the stories about how they caught them. And it just gives you an idea about the, the body of water and and um, and then you can incorporate that into yourself. I mean, I'm not going to go this weekend and say, "Oh my God, I have to go out and forward face on you know with the minky rigs on that body of water because of what happened a week ago," you know, because you don't know. You want to try it? Yeah, I'm going to go out and look look around. But you know, until you get there, the weather pattern and what's changing, and that's what you know. That's what those guys do. But I, I mean. You've you've talked to people who who've done research and they they just go back over tournament results and time of year and the type of weights. They're really concerned about weights and what what uh, what stage the fish were in, and then they can then you can kind of put it together. But I would I would say that I would you know that that's what I would do: see what stage the fish are, fish you know fish were in. Then you know when I'm going there a couple weeks later, the temperature then the temperature now, you know, put the put the pieces together. Your thoughts, George? I think it depends on a couple of factors. So, you know, Sam Rayburn is an absolutely massive body of water. So if you want to talk specifically about that tournament, I've never been there. So I probably would have watched every second of live. Um, but that's a double-edged sword, you know, because traditionally, um, if you did, like, uh, extensive research on that reservoir for that time frame. Traditionally speaking, um, grass fishing rules. Uh, specifically, I mean, the red rattle trap was invented on that lake. Yeah. You ever hear of a color called Rayburn Red? <laughs> it was invented on that lake. And if the lake rose up real early, like it did on this tournament, the fish would be caught. And this, I'm going to make a very interesting point here. The fish would be caught on the outside edge of the grass or on that edge-ish. Or they'd be caught on the inside edge which is now a deep inside edge. But that just goes to show you what we didn't know because all those fish that these guys caught in 30 to 50 foot of water were still doing the same thing 30 years ago that they're doing today. We just didn't have the technology to get on them, nor do we have, there's only so many David Fritz in the world. The guys that could go out there with a flasher and make that happen. There was only so many of them around. Yeah. Um, now think about that. It's kind of like uh, the DeLorean going back in time. Where we're going, we don't need roads. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, those fish were there 30 years ago. They didn't just all of a sudden start going out in those deep, they call them drains in Texas, little creek channels. They didn't start going out in those deep drains and suspended on bait since forward facing was invented. You know, that's just what we learned. 
you know, if you go back to our early uh, journey, uh, part of our journey on forward facing, you know, we immediately realized that a lot of fish oh, the, the do not do what we thought they would do. The bulk of them do. You know, they go in and spawn, and then they just they they go out and nomad nomadically roam around. That's that's what the bulk of the fish do. Yeah. Can you can you catch fish like like we like we like to catch them on the bank and run in the bank? Hell yeah, absolutely. John Cox, for instance, he can and he's competitive, so and he fishes more visible structure than he does any any other way. But um, so people ma- ask us all the time. Majority of those fish are out. Roman. Roman. People ask us all the time. Well, you know, you know, I used to fish points and crank and Carolina rig points, and I've. I've been in seminars of yours on on that. What were you wrong? No, that we caught them when they were there. Keywords when they were there, and guess what? When they're there the next time, that's where they're going to be. The hard spot on the point, the hard spot on the river ledge, the steep side of the point. You know, I mean, we've said we've given up the juice on. All kinds of cover and spots on the spots. And they're still, to this day, are money. And they will be forever when the fish are there. I love that you said that because you you had to learn how to time where you needed to be. And it wasn't a perfect time. No. You guesstimated the best you could. A lot of it was a freaking wild-ass guess. And you hit enough of those areas Mm -hmm. that, at the end of the day, it was in your favor. But... The reason why I asked you all that is because I always think fishing's very mental game. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys know that. And now you throw a kink in everybody because you're right. You used to always look at the weights. You do your general information. Yeah. But with today's technology, you're literally watching a whole tournament go down. Yeah. And your brain can't help but see what it sees. Yeah. And you're just like, uh. What you need is that men in black pen. Yeah. <laughs> After you're done with your entertainment, you just freaking zap yourself. Because you're right, George. It can literally kill you if you try to duplicate sometimes what other people do. Well, I mean, I've seen it it take down the best of them. I've been affected by it. I'm I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I never listened to Doc Talk because that's bullshit. I've got wrapped up in it. I'll tell you, it's the only way that you're not going to hear it is to go live in a rock under a rock by yourself. Yeah. And have your own boat ramp and don't talk to anybody. Yeah. Um, you can't listen if well, you have a Keith, game plan. Keith Crochet is he related to Keith Pochet? Pochet is that his name? Well, well, I mean, I, I know Keith Pochet, the guy that jumped the dams. Yeah, I don't know Keith Crochet. Crochet. <laughs> I know, I know uh, Cliff Crochet. Yeah, Keith. <laughs> Keith Keith Crochet. <laughs> Keith Pochet. <laughs> He goes out and Say gets, it five times. He gets a house like way away from everybody. And because of that. And I love it. He just goes off on his own, you know, and does his tournament off on his own and because he doesn't want all that that noise. Well, here's another thing I'll tell you. There are always shallow water fish. Always. I mean, in the dead of winter, there are shallow water fish. There is always shallow water fish. And if you want to be a shallow water specialist and you learn your craft well, you can do well with no graphs on your boat. Yeah. 
And you can do as well as in your local world, anybody. Yeah. Uh, did you ever hear John Cox? Right. He has, he doesn't even have live scope on his freaking boat. He went to the Thousand Islands last year and he was going to put it on, but he decided against it. Well, you know, those tournaments were interesting to watch. And, um, you don't have to worry about me going out there and, and live scoping this fish. I can, in 50 foot of water? In 50 foot of water. Would you feel comfortable doing that, Mike? Um, I, I, t- I, I tell you, I would love just to go there and, and, and fish with live scope on a body of water like that, you know, that has a, a ton of fish like that, you know. Um, I almost want to go to – there's a tournament up on Racetown on Sunday. I almost want to just go up and fish that tournament because it's going to be a huge live, live scope oh, yeah. tournament. You know, I almost want to just go up there just to get the practice and, and force yourself to do it. You, you know what I mean? Because that's what it takes. That it, 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 that's what it takes. And, it, and I think it's neat. It's, um, George and I have always been offshore structure fishermen. We've, we'd love, love to go out and, and find something and, and figure it out and, and, then duplicate, and then duplicate it by map reading and then go and figure out the spot and, and, and then find a spot on the spot, you know, whether it's a point, whether it's a hump, whether it's, you know, a flat with a ditch in it or, or a, you know, something that a break line. And we just, we always, we always loved the summertime fishing. Because Interpre- interpreting the electronics. Yeah, messing with electronics, finding it, you know, getting out there, interpreting the drops, interpreting the, you know, what grows on there, where, you know, the trees, where are they at on there, and really just dissecting those spots so that, you know, because we always thought those fish were the unpressured fish. And, and, and they were, generally speaking, big schools. Yeah, and they were unpressured fish because it was hard. When, when, when back in the day when you had the, the electronics we had, it was hard to find those, those spots. It was really hard. So, but it was a challenge, and we loved it. We used to, we used to, we used to have great, great uh, uh, days out in the water, you know, doing this stuff and, and, um, and we did it all over the, all over the East coast and it was, well, and it's I'm been smiling cool. to myself as you're talking, because I'm thinking I'm, I'm listening to your conversations right now on yeah. your boat and you're probably like, if we had this shit back then, <laughs> we would have tore it up. Oh, well, I know. One I of know. the first days that Mike and I started playing with forward facing, um, I, I mean, it just blew my mind. We're, we're fishing down the bank. Um, kind of like, I would say the beginning of the post spawn period. And, you know, we're fishing post-spawn areas on a body of water we've we've spent decades on. And we're playing with this forward-facing. You know, we're like, what the hell? Pushing buttons and zipping it around. And I'm like, what these freaking fish, man? They're all <laughs> over the place. The whole big group of shad out there, and all of a sudden you just see this streak come up into them and it looks like fireworks going off on the screen and then they all go that way and you just got your head down and you're like following them and casting your jerk bait at them and throwing your swim bait at them and the next thing you know 
You're literally in the middle of the lake, and there's fish everywhere you look. Yeah. And you say to yourself, you know, I've been doing this for 40 freaking years, and I never knew this. Yeah. I never knew this. They're not attached to the bottom. They're just, it's kind of like driving along. Oh, there's freaking McDonald's sign, man, you know. Let's get off at this exit and get a, a burger. That's kind of what the fish are doing. Oh, there's a gizzard shad out there. Well, I'll see you boys later, man. I'm going over. Oh, man, there's one over there. Yeah. I, they may never come back to that spot again, or they might come back to that spot uh, an hour later. Who knows? Very, very interesting. My, it, it, you heard about our first day, our actually first, first day on the on Ford Facing. Well, George and I, we, we get the unit, and we pick the boat up with the unit on it, and we, we, we're we coming home, and we were like, man, we got to get this on the water. And the river, the river was blown out at the time. It was real super high and muddy, and, and, and you couldn't, couldn't get on the river. But this one creek, we decided to stop there and just put the boat in the water and just screw around in the creek and just check it out because we were really super excited about it. So we're going around, and and, and – in about 10 minutes, the boat was in the trees. It was like overhanging trees, and the boat was crashing in the trees, you know, snagging our rods up. Uh, and we just kept going around and, and looking at finding rocks and, and, and different things, not seeing one fish at all, nothing. And going around in circles and doing all this stuff. Went to a bridge, saw a bridge piling, went over to a bridge piling, checked out a bridge piling. Uh, and then we picked up a rod, and we started screwing around with a, with a rod. And we're going down this bank, and we're, we're kind of crashing in these trees, and we come out. And I look down at the screen, and this fish just comes up off the bottom and swims right at us and goes right underneath the boat. I mean, I think it was a fish. It looked it, this, it, We didn't see anything like this at the whole time. And I'm like, oh, my God, look at that, George. A fish just went under the boat. And I turned around, and I threw to the back of the boat. There was a log, and I threw right to the log at the back of the boat, and I caught a three-and-a-half-pound smallie. And, and I was like, my God, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, though. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just, it was just, that was a very, very first day. You remember that, George? That was actually the beginning of about a year yeah. of just, yeah, chal- well, challenging. We were so. Challenging learning curve. I just remember how we were so cu- uh glued to our screen we kept running into the bank you know <laughs> running into the trees and 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 crashing in these trees and stuff because <laughs> you just don't you don't look up you don't look up it's the most unbelievable thing in the world well it's a very interesting Pretty tool cool. for studying bass behavior i think it can make you a better fisherman it can certainly put you on if you get good with it you can yeah. you can be dangerous in the right environment so uh, you know so we try to learn we try to learn about that also now. Now, not now. It's not just all this other stuff. It's now. It's this mastering this forward facing. And yeah. for those of you that think it's, uh, if you don't have one and you think it's, a, uh, just put it on your boat and start catching fish. Mm-mm. I got news for you. You better be committed. Yeah. Okay. Well, that kind of wraps that up. Um, and. Uh, Today, George and I, as you heard, we, George and I went fishing. We took the day, and uh, 
Uh, we knew it was going to be nice, so we couldn't stand it anymore. We didn't get our 2024 fish in yet. Uh, we didn't fish in January. Huh? We didn't fish in January. I know. We didn't get our – we usually always Son get a fish a every – Unacceptable. I know. Well, we try to get a fish every month. Well, we usually go out on New Year's Day. Yeah. Get our January fish and February fish and make sure you get a fish every month. It didn't happen. And it was just weather, you know, it, and when we did have the time, it was horrible weather. Uh, the I'll one, tell you what it is, it's some damn families. They want you all your time. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was bad. It was bad. But anyway, um, we got out today and we were out fishing and had a had a really great day on the on the river. And we thought, well, you know, we want to talk about uh, river fishing today. This and, is a home cooking show. And and the, our our river, we you know we know we don't ever just want to talk about our river because we try to you know, talk to the uh, broader, broader audience. You know, we got people in all over the country that watch the show. Uh, um, and so we try to talk about, you know, topics that are, are, can, you can apply to anything, anywhere you, anywhere, like in your local water, you know, of a spot, like a spot we're talking about, you know, but this, this one, we want to talk about the Susquehanna river and, and why it's so special to us. Um, and and why it's it's such a great fishery and how to fish, how to uh, kind of approach it, um, maybe through the seasons or something like that or not really. I mean, but we're going to paint with broad strokes, um, you know, from a time constraint period. I mean, we do seminars on smallmouth fishing next week, and we'll do. I mean, you they'll they'll they will literally come into the seminar room and pull me out of there and I'll be like my I'll be talking about one topic the whole time. So I mean we're not we're we're gonna paint with broad strokes. I think the biggest thing that kind of got us thinking about this was, you know, we're coming up on the 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 prime spring season when the Susquehanna River it's famous for it. Yeah. It's the Susquehanna River is famous for the for the for the bass fishing, but the spring is one of the most sought after times. And and you know, for those of you who don't realize, we run a guide service. Um, and you know, we have three guides that work work for us, and we book a lot of trips. And um, the spring is like, when's the best time? When's the best time? When's the best time? You know, the spring is the most sought after time. I mean, just about. I mean, the fall too, but the spring is. Yeah. It's a new beginning. Yeah. It's you've been on winter layup. You're all fired up. Let's go fishing. And that kind of that kind of gave us the notion to kind of talk a little bit. Because there's a lot of people on here tonight, Mike, that don't fish the Susquehanna River. Yeah. Or fish it rarely, or fish, you know, a a, a small portion of it, or fish way up north or way out west. Yeah. You know, I mean we, you know, there's a lot of river that we haven't seen. It's 444 miles long. I'd say me and you did a pretty good job at covering about 150 of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not yeah. even, not even that many. Yeah. Um, but well, it, it's it's a it's quite the fishery. Yeah, and and um, it's a it's a it's a fishery where you can go on a day like today, where the water temperature is, is you know thirty seven, thirty eight degrees, um, and you can catch fish. You know, it's a it's a it's a place you can go and pretty much 
go out and catch fish every time you go and learn a lot of stuff about fishing. Um, and follow the seasons and follow the fish and follow their spawn and follow what they do in the summer. Uh, um, it's a shallow water fishery. What is it? A, 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 it's a, they say it's a mile wide and a foot deep uh, is what the Susquehanna is known for. So it's, it's very unique that way. It's um, the majority of the river is jet boat only um, to get around. In some spots, you can't even get around in a jet boat, and it, it'll be uh, up, way up to Susquehanna. It'll be more kayaking and canoeing to get around. Um, but, Send it. Yeah, but it's a beautiful river. There's thousands of islands all up through the 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 uh the river and it and the and the structures is not only are you getting the ledges that you see in all rivers and you're getting gravel bars and you're getting uh boulder fields and stuff like that but you also get you know vegetation we got all kinds of vegetation in there we have these natural uh weed beds that are very unique to the susquehanna river that have uh, uh water willow yeah, and have the root balls in there, and they hold together, and they're year, they're year after year, and they make very unique st- uh, structure for fishing or cover. What do you want to call that? Is that structure? Well, I mean, structure would be like a rock ledge. Cover would be like a log on the rock ledge. Yeah, so that, so structure, you know, they make these like, these ledges and stuff, um, or these drop-offs and stuff behind them. That's very unique style of fishing. And Well, let me ask you this question, Mike. Again, painting in broad strokes. Yeah. So, you know, right now we're in winter, and we have an eyeball focused on pre-spawn. Now, obviously, we're thinking long and hard about that now because the country is enjoying some stable weather. You know, it, it, we haven't had that for the month of January. We've had basically, for most of January, we've had some tumultuous weather in this country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been a true uh, inconsistent winter pattern. So, you know, if you could kind of just brush over the the high points of from now until the spawn, what what should our listeners be looking for um, in general? I'm not talking on the lower end on the reservoirs or the – I'm talking in general. What are we looking for? Well, you know, this this time of year, you're 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 looking for you know, uh, um, you know, deeper deeper water, um, close you know, close to. Um, I mean, it's 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 the Susquehanna River is all based on, and everybody says that you know, where, where, how would you fish it? Well, it's it's all based on water level. So you know, this time of year, the water level goes up and water level goes down. So you're basically fishing the bank. You're fishing. Um, you know, you're, you're, when the water goes up, you go onto the bank, and when the water goes down, you're trying to figure out how far off the bank these fish are or, or did they get on the ledge and file a ledge out. So we're, we're fishing where we think the fish are in the winter, in the deeper pockets, the deeper water, and, and uh, um, you know, we're, we're moving around to try to stay in that, that, that deeper water. Like today, for instance, you know, we caught fish in those little deeper pockets. Yeah, they were only five and six foot deep. That seemed to be the key. Yeah. Now, now, please keep in mind, uh, the Susquehanna River has many faces. The lower part of the river is reservoirs. Okay, so, you know, the deep part is a relative term. Yeah. 
Like the lower the lower forty or fifty miles of the river is a series of dams creating reservoirs. So obviously we have some much deeper water. I mean, there's Mike and I can take you to numerous spots where the front of your boat will be in one foot of water, and the back of your boat will be in ninety five feet of water. Literally for real can drive you to those spots. There's two of them that we can take you to that are like that. Um, That's on the lower, the reservoir. Those fish behave a little differently, but they have the same motivation as what we call the free-flowing river, right? So the upper river from, let's say, Three Mile Island, if you're not from the area, you know Three Mile Island, you know, Saturday Night Live did a skit on it, for God's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> From there north is what we call the free-flowing river. And those fish are much more prone to travel. So you, you'll find rapid movements in these fish. And you'll also find that your, your, your beliefs in fish behavior are challenged on the free-flowing river. Mm-hmm. For example, today we fished 39-degree water. The, 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 the beautiful, deep protected shoreline eddies were devoid of life. Why is that, Mike? Well, because the water is dropping. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. So it, those dro- fish- it dropped out. It dropped out for consistently um, and, and uh, for the last couple of weeks, and those fish just don't want to be on the bank. They don't, they, it's like the, a, death, a death threat to them. You know? They just they are bailing out. They like a little current in their face. These free-flowing river fish, they like a little – they're a little gamey. They're yeah. not – you know, it's not like they're huddled down in the bottom of the river freezing to death, okay? They're very active. But uh, vice versa, if the river comes up a foot, they're the first ones to go in the bushes. They run. They go right into the bushes. They'll chase that bait right into the bushes. They'll feed on the bugs and the crayfish and the, and the bait fish that are seeking – uh, a place to get out of the current, and they will go into those bushes. But the second that that river starts to drop, they bolt. They bolt for boogity boogity boogity. They, they, you know they'll bolt out to what they feel is the proper edge and get a lot of current in their face, and then they know they're safe. Um, and then the river will drop, and then it'll stabilize. And once it stabilizes, then they're they're moving again. So, so it's uh, that you know once you understand that about river fishing. And you understand the the movement of the water and how it affects the fish, up and down and in and out. Um, it it kind of makes it easier to track them down. You know, um, we were a fuzz. We were a little bit bullheaded today, I would say, on on making some some big adjustments. Because I think because we we caught them really good first thing on a certain edge, you know, a certain current edge that was just, you know, out a, a certain distance from the bank. And, and we kept, I, I know I kept wanting to stay on that current edge, figuring that the reason we weren't catching fish because we just didn't hit a pot of them yet. We weren't in the right depth. It wasn't the right type of thing. We just needed to keep going down and staying on that current break edge. Um, but, which we, what we really should have been doing was 
heading out looking for that deeper, the, the right deeper water, you know, instead of that current edge, we're going out and looking for that deeper water in that area because that's where they actually all pulled to was in these little little pool pocket areas once we established, once we figured that out a little later on. Well, and the other, the other factor that comes into play in the winter um, up until what I would call like real early pre-spawn, probably sometime in early March. So what, about a month? Yeah. Um, and you've heard this a thousand times on this show. We call it the three-day rule. And it's, it, 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 it's, a, it's a term that we use to insinuate stable to improving weather. It kind of doesn't matter what the water temperature is. You know, I mean, water temperature is good to pay attention to. For example, we caught most of our fish offshore today. And the farther offshore we got, we were actually heading east. We got to a zone where the water temperature dropped a degree. Now, what the number was was real was irrelevant. The fact that it dropped was big because now we knew after fruitless amount of time there, move back, and there was a band of of temperature band coming down the down the river. So a couple things for you to to tuck away in your in your in your in your noggin stable improving weather okay the first day is all right it's not great the second day is much better the third day is usually a home run and that includes it's really important to pay attention to your nighttime temperatures um whatever the actual water temperature is doesn't matter it's is it stable? Is it going up? Or if I go out to a certain point and my bites stop, did I notice the water drop? So the other thing you want to know about a free-flowing river is water temperatures don't really mix that well. So you'll have like one band of maybe 40-degree water, and then you'll have a band of like, 38 degree water and then you'll have like 37 degree water and i believe it's because they're different densities they just kind of float along there's a little bleeding there but you know it's this this and this so keep that in mind as you're approaching you're in a river that's a mile wide in a lot of places keep that in mind you know it doesn't really matter what that number is it's it's matters what it is compared to everywhere else yeah uh, because these fish are much more active than you might be led to believe. Yeah. So th- those are some of the key winner. Now, yeah. How about how about and then, and then, location and bait? Um. Well, I mean, you know, the the winter thing is is just that. I mean, um, can you catch fish in the colder water? Yeah, you probably can, but you're going to work your ass off for that. So you're always looking for that that cleaner water. Uh, and um, you know the fi- and and you know, it's it's the bait. It is always going to be where the water's warmer. That's where they're going to go. That's where the the, the the bait the bait stay in the warmer water. So they're they're going to be balled up better in the, in the, in there. Um, but I think we want to move a little bit quicker and say like, okay, well now you're you know now you're getting into the into the actual spring part of the year where the fish are, you're in your, you know, your upper 40s and, and uh, they're really moving good and, 
And you know, so what are they? What what happens to a lot of the fish that that we we're doing pre spawn now? We're doing the winter into the pre spawn, and now all of a sudden they get to a point where they decide to move move towards their spawning areas. It's my favorite time of the year, other than fall. Um, you know, again, these fish are much more active in cooler temperatures than you might imagine. And when you start getting into that, let's just call it mid to upper 40s, your things are, are going to happen quickly. So the other thing is you have a river that drains a massive geographical area. So you really need to pay attention to your river gauges. There's numerous river gauges on the river, okay? If it rains in Binghamton, New York, two inches and on Wednesday and your fishing trip is on Sunday, what you see on Wednesday where you're going fishing on Sunday is not what you're going to see on Sunday. This river is prone to serious fluctuation, both from a strategic standpoint of view and a safety standpoint of view. Learn your river gauges. Learn them. Follow them. It's a lot easier to look on your phone than it is to drive for two hours, okay? Get to know what those numbers are. And here's what I mean by that. So let's take, like, the main stem of the Susquehanna River. Let's just say below the Juniata River. So we have the Juniata River to come in. That's a concern. We have two or three major creeks that feed. That's a concern. That's going to really dictate if we have a lot of weather a lot of rain in one of those areas where we're going to even focus. But what we're looking for is these fish moving up into fairly, like very near fairly protected areas. They, they want to spawn here, but they're not ready to go there yet. And you know what? That whole spawning process is like a day. So they're going to spend a lot of time around here. And in a lot more current than you may believe. Now, depending on river level, Mike brought up earlier the water willow grass beds. Now, they will not be visible this time of the year during the spawn. They are they're like little bamboo shoots that have been cut off by the ice. Um, but what they do is they form a sandy well-fortified bottom. And where they end, the river currents have swirled and cut away the back of that little sandy hump, that little pea gravel, sandy, gritty hump that's all roots. And I'm talking roots that are like steel cable. Yeah, yeah. Tenacious, big roots. So every one of those beautiful beds that you see is now a root ball with little stubs on it forming an underwater hump that you can only see with your eyes reading the swirls on the water. And the back of that hump is a drop-off protected. And the big girls love to stage on a ledge or a root ball hump or even a big boulder protecting them near one of those big spawning areas. And they'll they'll frequent that area over the course of you know a two week frame for, for a two week period of time 
when they're trying to spawn. And, and a lot of stuff that affects their spawn is this fluctuating river. They know. They know, hey, I can't go now because I feel it's coming up. I can't go. So, you know, that's why we have spawns from the end of March until the middle of June. We have three, four spawning waves of fish all up and down the river. The reservoir areas, not so much because they're more controlled environment. Um, You usually get about two to three spawning waves there. But up in the free-flowing waters, it's everything's in flux. So when you get in that time frame, Mike, you need to be you need to be flexible. Yeah, I, you know, and and the nice thing about uh, river fishing is you do get high water, and you do get uh, events where the river will come up two and three feet, and it is the most wonderful thing that could happen to you in this period of time. You know that 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 springtime because it. Those fish are, 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 are ganged up anyway, and then they just go to, to, to spots and areas that are very easy to figure out. You know, uh, creek mouse, uh, big eddy pockets behind the islands, uh, the big uh, eddy pockets behind the islands, the eddy pockets that are formed on sides of islands. Uh, seams. Seams. You know, the fish go to where... They love seams. And that high water puts them in those spots. So when it's lower and it's slower flowing, you have a more spread out fish. But when the water is higher and raging a little bit more and dirty and rolling, you have all this other cover, all these little spots that load up, and it and it's much easier to catch fish. And that's why you hear guys going fishing certain days and catching 100 fish a day. Uh 75 fish you know i caught 75 fish today it's unbelievable oh my god i caught 125 fish uh you know because these fish when that water comes up they get concentrated and it's just awesome and that's why i love river fishing this time you know in in that time of year when the water is high when the water goes up that's when i'm going i'm stopping what i'm doing i'm going i'm going to go find those little pockets and Listen, there's community holes all up and down every body of water you go to. And the Susquehanna River is no different. We have community holes all over the place. And there's guys that know about it. And you'll see lots of boats stacked up in there. But trust me, there's a million little pockets that maybe don't have thousands and thousands of fish in them. But they got enough fish for you to catch 100 fish if you hit enough of those spots. You know what I'm saying, George? I, I do. And, 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 and along that lines, I, I'd like to just kind of say one thing along that lines. I know we're getting ready to wrap her up. Um, in that in that last period before the spawn really starts kicking, you know, a lot of these fish are in, there are, let's put, how do I put this? Everywhere on this river, there is an area or two that holds massive quantities of late, winter fish and the spawn is approaching rapidly and these fish are still on a winter pattern they're not following usually it's the oldest biggest fish that spawn first then you get like a like a a a pretty solid movement in april may is your big month may is when you know it goes down hard but Around that Easter time frame, 
Um, and some of my fishing partners are probably not too happy about this, but around that Easter time frame, there is the needle in the haystack everywhere you go on this river where you get on this massive combination of late winter fish and fish that are staging up to move to a spawning area. And if you're paying really close attention, I just told you what to look for. Find the most awesome spawning area where you live and back out to a, to a uh, obvious or semi-obvious staging area. Because um, if you find it, it's pretty freaking awesome. I've I've been on a I've been on that Easter egg hunt a few times when it's been like spot locked for six hours. Yeah, and and, and a lot of these areas, uh, uh, Nick, on the Susquehanna River are year after year after year after year after year after year after year. Their the fish are always going to be there, and they're always going to do this on this kind of water, and they're always going to do this on this kind of water. So river fishing, that's what it is about river fishing. I love it. It it it's it's. It's predictable if you know what you're looking for, you know. Um, if you know if you know just a little, if you pay attention to the gauges, the river level gauges is, is so important, and um, where, where it's raining, and, and you got to know all your creeks because some creeks will blow mud, and then uh, that'll make a nice uh, seam. Um, but you can fish all these different types of things. You can fish... The covers, the structures, the eddy pockets, you can, you know, when the water drops, they go out on the ledges. Uh, we've had great days just fishing in a mud line. <laughs> Freaking mud line is like the best thing on a river. So it's really, really cool. Um, you, you know, you get into the spawn, the creeks, you know, there's a lot of fish that spawn in creeks. There's a lot of fish that spawn on the islands. They get on the grass beds. Um, and then after the, the post-spawn fish, it's a, also a great time of year. The ledges really start to come on. The current, well, the heavier current, the absolutely. ledges. Then you're, you know, you got the, they, 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 uh, the spinnerbait stuff comes on, and all of a sudden you're, you're, uh, you know, all all that kind of uh, uh, top water and all that kind of stuff comes on, and it's 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 pretty awesome. So what we're gonna do is, um, you know, we're gonna we're, we're gonna revisit this river fishing on the Susquehanna. For all of you, uh, every few weeks, you know, we're going to do a home cooking show. Our next one's going to be like spawn into summer. And then we'll do a summer into fall. So we'll, you know, spread them out. We have some guests lined up over the next couple weeks. So we don't want to just lock into this for like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we didn't even talk about the juice yet. And this Saturday... Next Saturday, I'm sorry, the Next 17th. Saturday. Yeah. Next Saturday, the 17th, is a very once-a-year opportunity for y'all. We are going to go deep dive for, I don't even know how long, like all day, probably into overtime. Eight to four. Probably into overtime even. We're going to do four to five seminars um, we're going deep dive. We're going into the minutia of, like, serious river fishing. I mean, personally speaking, I'm going to bust out. I'm going to go into some stuff that's probably going to cause your heads to explode. <laughs> um, you know, 
Uh, it's a well-known fact that I'm one of the best smallmouth fishermen that I know, and I'm going to dump it out on you, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I'm going to be serious about it, though. I'm not going to crack too many jokes. We're going to have fun. Looking forward to you guys coming in. We got about, we got about what, 175 seats? Yeah. So, you know, we got room. Um, also, um, there'll be half a dozen of, of the who's who of river guiding here, patrolling the aisles, working for their sponsors, um, guys that you've, that you followed, um, over the years and they're going to be here to talk fishing. They might not give it all up, but they're going to give some of it up. Yeah. And yeah. that's, what, the 17th? Yeah. This week we're going to do a little, if you're not fishing on Saturday, uh, you got a couple hours and you need a fix, we're going to be fishing all day. We're going to have fishing on TV. We're going to be talking about fishing. We're going to have fish sandwiches for lunch. <laughs> and we're going to have a special, we're calling it Shimano Saturday. We're going to talk Shimano. Um Sell Shimano. We're going to sell Shimano. We're going to have some specials. We have probably the most impressive Shimano G. Loomis Jackal and Power Pro selection that you will encounter in quite a geographical area. So we're going to have fun. This Saturday, we hope to see you. Next Saturday, we hope to see you. But in the meantime, we really hope to see you next Thursday for another edition of Tackle Shop Live. My breath away. A young and pretty, was it just a dream? The next day, you called me up. You told me I'm your little buttercup. You came over and you fell into my arms. Well, I know what I feel. Please tell me I love you. Sense of humor makes it all worthwhile Don't make me wait, it's not a f-